Today, I'm joined by John Williams, who's the author of F Work, Let's Play and another couple of books besides. Today, we're going to talk about how you can have a systemized approach to choosing the right business for you, that one you actually enjoy doing, but also makes your money. And also how to go through the process of coming up with ideas of marketing, selling and making a profitable business, doing something you would do even if you didn't get paid for it. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Hi, John. Thank you very much for coming along today and agreeing to have a chat with me about all things that you're working on at the moment and obviously about your new book. So, John Williams, please just give us a three-minute introduction to yourself, who you are, what you've done, and why you're here. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, thanks for inviting me. I started off in technology. I loved I loved computers and I love creativity, and I discovered computers when I was about 16 years old and became addicted to them and also loved uh, creativity and writing and music and all sorts of other things. So I went into creative technology and I worked in 10 years coding systems to um, to allow people to make TV programs in particular, control entire TV stations. Um, I did some work for some really innovative companies very early on. One of them is called Avid Technology. It's quite well known now. And um, worked at Disney briefly on site. Uh, then moved into video on the internet and in, uh, became a senior managing consultant at Deloitte. Uh, but Deloitte was a little too corporate for me. And um, I quit to consult independently to the BBC and other uh, big broadcasters um, and big consultancies working around broadcast. And then uh, I thought, okay, well, if I can just kind of get paid enough money per day, I can take time off in between and do what I really want to do. And I managed to get paid four times my salary, uh, you know, per day effectively. And that meant I had time to, I trained in psychotherapy, which is a real passion of mine as a life coach, as a, uh, I did a bit of uh, counseling training and I started a live event for creative people called scanners night. Um, and I got a book deal shortly after that. I also started working with creative people on their careers. And I wrote my first book, which is called Screw Work, Let's Play for Pearson. It's now being translated into 10 languages. It's quite bizarre to read your own words in a foreign language. So now I um, run a business called The Ideas Lab. And uh, currently I'm focusing on working with people one-to-one and have run all sorts of group programs. Uh, and I help people create a unique business around their skills and expertise. And uh, I love helping people create something that's not quite like anybody else. Fantastic. Okay. So your first book was Screw Work, Let's, Let's Play. Mm. Second book was? Screw Work, Break Free. And that is actually kind of lean startup for non-tech people. So it kind of teaches you how to find product market fit in a business idea. Like if you've got an existing business and you're launching something new, it shows you how to prove it in 30 days. And uh, if you haven't run a business before, it's the ultimate manual for getting over perfectionism, procrastination, getting something out into the world. Uh, a friend told me last night, um, 
that he's been working on his business idea for four years. I know what his business idea is. And I said, I would have done that in 30 days. What are you playing at? It's like, it's like get my second book. And people prevaricate far too much on these things because they feel like everything has to be perfect before they, before you do anything. Yeah. Interesting you should say that. Like literally yesterday I was being interviewed on a podcast with somebody else. And um, one of the questions that, that or one of the things that came up was about this perfectionism problem. Yeah. And I actually read a book um, a few years ago called um, Pat Flynn, Will It Fly? Which oh, is yeah. a, simple, a similar sort of concept. Mm. And, um, and so that pushed me over the edge to actually get it out. So I get the idea out and just you know, let the market decide if it's a good idea yeah. or not, because you'll never That's know. Right until it's out there. So I should have read your book instead. <laughs> yeah. I got that. So. And, and, and the new book, the, the, the more sweary one is basically an updated version of the first book. So it's now called F work. Let's play, do what you love and get paid for it. And, um, we did a 10 year anniversary edition, but it's completely revised, updated, and it's got new, uh, new content in it, including shortcuts, particularly for people at the early stages of launching, launching a business. And if you're not a natural entrepreneur, so like people like me, when, you know, I just didn't want to have a job above all else. I just hated being in a job, even when it was an interesting job. And it's kind of written for people like that who want to be out of a job, but have no idea about entrepreneurship and marketing and pricing and selling and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I do recommend it. And, and obviously I want to talk a bit, dive a bit in deeper into it today as we go through, because I think it's actually absolute golden. And I was actually saying just off air before we uh, started the interview was about, I wish I'd read this book five years ago. I wish I'd done it because this is the stuff that I needed to know. Cause I was leaving a, a job as working as a doctor in a hospital. I had been a sort of entrepreneur before, but very bad one and kept on failing and um, lost lots of money. Um, and nearly bankrupt a couple of times, then was a doctor and then leaving my workers uh, in medicine, it was just coming into a world of stuff I just didn't understand, didn't really know. And, um, this sort of book really gives a, a awesome system. If you like, obviously it systemizes success to actually how you take, even if you haven't got an idea, it's how you come up with the idea in the first place, all the way through to actually creating a profitable business out of it. And, and I think there's so much we could talk about in it. I mean, from the beginning, you've got things about um, uh, the, figure out what you really want to do. But that's the sort of thing to, I would pre pretext what I'm going to ask you, because it's so common. People say, oh, just do what you love. Just do something you love. Yeah. You know, yeah, find something you're passionate about and do it. But that's actually not often the best business sense, unless you can marry what you do or what you love into something that actually people want to buy and actually will, are willing to pay for, because ultimately the business needs to generate income. And I think that... Yeah, you need three things, yeah. basically. You need what I've described as the three Ps in one of the chapters. And the first P is play. So you have to want to do it. Ideally, you want to choose a business you would do even if you didn't need the money. So if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you be doing? Now, if you'd just be playing golf or something, I don't know, but uh, or, um, it might be difficult. But is there something you can imagine you're going to continue doing? And for me, I would still be reading voraciously, learning new ideas, sharing ideas with people, helping people put their creative ideas out into the world. Uh, make things happen, turn ideas into a reality. I find that endlessly exciting and fascinating. And I would be doing that for no money if I didn't, uh, you know, want to make any money. And then that's the first piece. Like you actually, you're drawn to it because it feels a bit more like play when it does work. 
And then the second thing, second P, is that you're practiced in it. And this is where sometimes people get a bit unrealistic and they say, well, I want to launch a business tomorrow that's around, I don't know what it might, I've just got really excited about being a vegan. So I'm going to create a vegan blog and, and just wait for the money to roll in. Well, the problem is, um, you, you know, first of all, there's a lot of people in that space. But secondly, what are you bringing to that idea beyond just the idea? What are you... Uh, bringing as a skill set. And it could be, maybe it's not actually about veganism. Maybe you're a beginner, but you've got a great interviewing style. You can do a killer podcast or you're great at getting famous people to be interviewed and putting it on your blog or on social media, or you're great at, you know, doing brief recipes for the week. There has to be something which you are really skilled at, but you're bringing from probably from your previous work history, but possibly from many years of personal, uh, like basically using it as a hobby. So I've been reading, people wonder how I changed from being a software developer for creative technology to being an author and a, I guess you call me a business coach. And, um, the, the, you know, they think that's really weird, but to me, that was quite a natural shift because I've been reading books about psychology and therapy and stuff like that since I was 13 years old. I read Freud when I was 13 and just carried on. I just found it absolutely fantastic. I was not very happy, basically. I was, that was the driver. Most people who get into therapy, who, who become therapists, come from uh, not very happy backgrounds. So uh, I was trying to kind of fix myself uh, in the same way you do a, a computer. And um, I learned so much interesting stuff that it, it became really useful for helping other people get over their creative blocks, get over their procrastination and so on. So I was very practiced, even though it wasn't ever my job up until more recently, where you might say I'm kind of in the self-help world now. So that's the second P. The third P is profit. And it really means that um, there is a genuine need you're meeting. Uh, you've got to create value in the world. It's one of the themes of the second book, actually. Uh, you know, just because I love watching TV, like I, I love watching The Simpsons, but no one's about to turn up and give me a check for doing that because it doesn't create value for other people. Me sitting down and, you know, uh, drinking Prosecco and chatting with friends doesn't, you know, I love doing that, but it doesn't, doesn't make me, it doesn't create value for anybody else. I'm maybe for my friends to a small extent, but they're not going to pay me. So you've got to find a way of doing what you love in a way that creates value for people. And the most compelling kind of value is where somebody has a, somebody is walking around um, and has a problem and it is on their mind. Now, whether it's a, a business problem because you're selling B2B or whether it's a, a life problem because you're selling B2C, they're walking around with it on their mind and on their to-do list. You, you, too many times people try to sell things that they think people should buy, but people actually don't want to buy. And for years, people tried to sell, as an example, very worthy electric cars, for instance, electric vehicles, and they look diabolical and embarrassing. And then Elon comes along and goes, you know, the only way we're going to get people to buy electric cars is by making them the most insanely fast cool cars in the world and he did it and as a result he's changed the entire uh, ev market everyone suddenly went all the other car manufacturers have been sitting on their ass until that point doing you know tiny little 0.1 percent tweaks of their technology each year suddenly went oh no we're gonna have to 
pull our fingers out and actually do some work and, and start innovating. And so it's brought everybody forward. Um, but that's, so you've got to find a, a thing that people want. So people are walking around going like, I want a really cool car. You know, that's a lot of people's dream to have that. Um, or I want a cool car, but I don't want it to destroy the planet, which is a very specific kind of problem. And Elon solved that for people. So those are the three Ps and it works, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's a tiny little thing or whether it's a big thing. And, uh, and that's how you make sure you don't just create something which is a nice idea and excites you, but doesn't excite anybody else. Would you say that the pains you had, the problems you had, you said you were trying to fix yourself, mm. that, that so the skills you learned in doing that, you've then applied to your business life now. But are you solving similar problems that you were solving for yourself? Or was it in that journey that you then became who you are to solve business problems using the similar skills? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I've carried over some of the skills uh, directly. In, well, some of the things I've learned. So, um, you know, some of what's in my books, uh, particularly the most recent one, is, is stuff I learned from psychotherapy training because actually it's not a, about, you know, deep psychotherapy necessarily, but it's about how the brain works and how humans work and what gets in the way and, uh, you know, what's really going on with perfectionism, for instance, which is actually a fear of making a mistake. It's not really a desire to do the best you can do. It's, um, it's usually because you've come from a background where somebody was extremely critical with you and that feeds and perfectionism and procrastination are very closely related, which people don't always realize. So it, those kind of insights, I think, were really helpful. But I think something else also happened, which is I spent so long studying therapy and, you know, understanding how to listen to people um, that it's, it's informed what I now call empathy marketing which is my approach to marketing. And I spend most of my time with clients going through the process of getting them to think from the other person's point of view. So my brother once said in a very, in his very offhand kind of way, it was how he normally says things and very bluntly, he just goes, marketing is just thinking from the other person's point of view. And that was his summary of like 30 years of getting a degree in marketing and working in marketing product management for really famous brands. And it is actually, and it's, um, it's thinking of, it's getting inside the other person's head and we are diabolical at it. We're terrible at it. We really are. Because if we were any good at it, all our harm, all our relationships would be harmonious. Right. So we think like when our partner wants something that we can't understand, but they're insane or, you know, weird or damaged. <laughs> the fact that we want things that they can't understand is completely normal. And they're just complete, you know, seem to have some dysfunction in their mind at that moment in time. So, it's, this is our challenge of understanding that people are different and they have different wants. And even when you want the same thing, you might think of it in a different way. So good marketing is, you know, a lot of what I recommend is you go and talk to clients and you say to them, uh, look, I'm, you, don't, you don't talk about you. You don't go to them and say, Hey, what do you think my business idea? Because there's a little bit like saying, Hey, do you think my baby's do you think my baby's good looking? Because no one's going to go, actually, your baby's kind of ugly. So people tend to say, unless they're very, very low on the agreeability score in psychology terms, they tend to say, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Your business idea. You know, it's great. Yeah, totally. I would totally, I can see that. Yeah. I would buy that. And then, but the funny thing is you spend six months then creating this business and you come back around and say, Hey, do you want to buy it? And they go, ah, yeah, actually we're, you know, I'm going on holiday. Can you call me back? And suddenly they won't answer your calls. So instead what you do in those conversations of clients is you say, you know, well, what is your situation around this area you are trying to help them with? Um, so if it's you, Steve, you go like, you know, well, the, what I would do is work backwards from what you do. So if you're doing systems and outsourcing, then you go like, what does life look like when you don't have good systems and outsourcing? What, what are all the pain points? What are the calamities that happen? What are the things that wake you up at four in the morning and make you go, oh my God, I've forgotten to do whatever. Or like, because you don't, you know, I could run a whole bunch off the top of my head, but it's things like you burn out because you're forever doing things yourself manually. Uh, you're forever in contention with members of your team because you haven't defined standard operating practices. Um, you're, uh, uh, you can't expand beyond a certain point because when you try, everything kind of gets to so far and then collapses around you. So you could probably name a, another 10 of those things. And what you do is you go and talk to people and say, you know, what are, you, what are your plans of scaling and, and what's limiting you at the moment? And um, have you tried implementing something like standard operating practices? And if, you know, what happened when you did? Why didn't it work for you? Or what have you tried instead of whatever it is you're basically trying to sell them? So you say like, oh, well, did you go with a competitor uh, supplier or did you go with this other app or did you try to fashion it yourself out of Excel or whatever it is people do. And then find, just listen and find out what their experience is like. So it's very organic marketing data. It's, it's a world of difference from those 56 page surveys that people send you and go, can you just, you know, fill this in for zero reward for some strange reason. And it, instead you're getting very, very organic information. And it's the, it's really, really rich though. And as long as you're able to hear that's a point when having therapy is quite helpful sometimes because you, you can pull your, you get your prejudices out of the way then of what you want to hear. And if you can hear what somebody has to say to you, then you get such rich information that you can create a, you know, a killer business proposition. And if you're going into a crowded market, you just go like, well, you know, obviously the biggest competitor, number one is this person. Have you tried using them? Or if you consider them and you chose not to, what was behind that decision? If there's a rule in therapy, by the way, you never ask the question why. So I, I very, I was about to say why, and I said what instead. So what was behind that decision? Because when you say why, people go like, it, it feels like you're putting a gun at them and go like, why on earth did you do that, you idiot? So it's a kind of, certainly in English anyway, it might be different in different languages. And uh, yeah, that information, you can then go and build something which you know is going to land, but you carry on talking to clients and go like, this is what we're building. Is this kind of, what would you like it to look like? And so on. And then eventually you've got something that really sells. And because most people don't do that, most people don't do very well. I can't tell you how timely this conversation is unbeknown to you. I'm literally in the process of doing this right now. This ah, week, I've had three market research calls on the phone, speaking to people, asking them similar questions to what you suggested, but I've got some brilliant ideas of what I'm going to tweak in my Great. next conversation. So Great this has up. been incredibly useful. So 
just to really reinforce everything that Donna's just said, the, in the three calls I've had this week, I've learned more about my products and, and yeah. where they should be going than I have from, I've got 1800 responses to a question mm. asking, what's your biggest challenge, which everyone tells you to do. Ask them, what's your biggest challenge? Yeah. So I've got a big, big bunch of data for this. And wow, yet in exactly. three phone calls, I've learned more and nothing, the stuff that hasn't come up. It, well, it probably has come up, but mm. you, without speaking to somebody, you can't ask them, you know, okay, what do you mean by that? Yeah. That's where the gold comes in. The richness of it. It's, it's the follow-up question. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, mm. absolutely gold stuff. Brilliant, brilliant, John. Okay. Um, you talked about something now, and I wanted to go back to because we mentioned it before when we were actually preambling before the podcast, and I think it fits into what you're talking about here with about um, thinking about putting yourself into the other person's perspective or thinking from the other person's perspective. And you mentioned something called the generosity funnel. Oh, yeah, yeah. In here, and can you expand on that? Yeah, so um, this is a concept where, you know, everyone thinks that the way to get more leads is to do social media every day, and you should do that because it does pay off. If you post, you know, for you, Steve, I mean, posting to LinkedIn at least once a day, if not four times a day or something. And um, uh, that works, but it's a long game. So if you want to create some leads right now, then the best thing to do is to run something that gives people a really uh, close connection with you and a strong sense of who you are and your expertise, um, and which ideally is interactive. So they can converse with you during that process. And those things lead on very naturally to a sales conversation. So an example would be, and, and generally you do this for free. So an example would be, I used to run a thing, a five day challenge, which people know a lot, uh, people do a lot. I feel like that's become oversaturated, the five day challenge. And one of the challenge, one of the problems of running a five-day challenge where you put you give a little lesson every day, and then you do an interactive Q&A probably every evening, something like that structure for five days on a theme. You know, for you, it would be a systems and outsourcing five-day challenge, but it would probably be more niched. It would be like a specific aspect of that. Uh, the, the problem with that is that um, is that the most successful people don't have five days to give you. What they The most successful people are going to pay you the most money uh, want to watch something get something really get, get a kind of high return on their time investment. And then if they like you, they'll just go like, can I work with you? And like, how much do you cost? It's a very straightforward conversation at that point. And uh, so the better format, which uh, one I did most recently were, was um, a free workshop, which was like a three hour uh, presentation where I went through seven ways to make more money in your business and um, and I actually had a flip chart and I wrote on it and then ran that for three hours and people stayed for the whole three hours. Not everybody, but people did. Uh, I charged a small amount of money. I paid a, charged a token amount of money, 29 pounds in this case, but I have run them previously for free. And then there's a Q&A session a few days later. And in between, there's a Facebook group where people can converse and ask follow-up questions and so on. And um, and then off the back of that, I got into conversations with people who wanted to work me one-to-one on their business. And uh, uh, and that performed really well. So um, that generated quite a few sales for me. And um, 
And that's one format. Another one is like if you're on LinkedIn, for instance, you could run a webinar, which you basically promote to LinkedIn followers, where maybe you just do a one hour sort of workshop. Uh, it's, it, it, and you try to steer away from that kind of sales webinar thing. You actually deliberately just teach them, just give them loads and loads of value on something very specific that you know, not, it's not just a broad introduction, but it's like, let's solve this one problem for you in an hour. And then you say to them at the end, like, you know, if you want to know more about what we do and everything, we, you don't even need to do a heavy pitch. You just say, just drop a comment in the zoom chat and uh, I'll get in contact with you immediately afterwards. And it, it's surprisingly effective and sometimes better than um, emailing, you know, even if you've got a big email list and I've got a decent size one, it's better than kind of, emailing all, all of those people multiple times in a very impersonal way. And another way of doing it is when we're allowed to do live events again, I can't remember if we are right now, um, you have a live meetup. I had a client who exited a major retailer and she wanted to position herself as a, as a, a consultant in the future of retail. So she created an event called The Future of Retail. And before she knew it, she put it on meetup.com uh, she was on one of my courses when she was doing this and uh, it was immediately really popular. It was, it was just full right from the beginning and she built her network around that and got into all sorts of conversations with people as a result. So there are a few other variations, but I think those ones, Oh, the another one you can do is you kind of, you can block a, a day out of 15 minute consultations, which are free and give people a calendarly link and say, you know, a calendar booking app link. And so just book yourself in this Friday, I'm making myself available. Any question you want to ask about systems and outsourcing, for instance, um, I will, I'll answer and see if I can help you. And then people remember these things, even if they don't get into a sales conversation straight away, they remember that you gave real insight and now you've dropped that barrier, that no like and trust barrier, which is required for a sale. And that's, that's gone. So maybe they're not ready to buy right now, or maybe they are, but they're definitely going to remember you. And particularly, if, again, if you combine that with the daily posting, they, they're going to see every post and they're going to go, I remember Steve and how smart he was when I spoke to him or whatever the person's business is who's listened to this. Fantastic advice. Really, really like it. Oh, and, and by the way, in order to populate that free thing, particularly if it's free, find one partner who's, whose audience is a really good fit for yours and see if they're willing to push people to uh, to come to your free thing as a favor. Maybe you could give them some commission off the back end or something like that. Um, and that basically then becomes your complete funnel. So even if you don't have a big list or a big following, one person can send a bunch of people to your free workshop. Uh, and then out of the back of that, you get into a bunch of sales conversations with them. Yeah, absolutely love it. It's funny. When I first started out, the first type of webinar I ever did was a four-hour workshop, which is basically yeah. just me teaching basically a big chunk of, of, of what I ended up turning into a, into a course. Mm. And, um, and when I look back a while ago, I didn't really get many sales on the day, like you say. But mm. if I look back at my list of my first 50, 60, maybe more clients, I can guarantee the majority of them were on one of those workshops at some point. Yeah. So. Yeah, they really remember. And then maybe the next time around they buy, 
And sometimes, particularly if you're working B2B or if you're working one-to-one, you're not sort of doing a low price course, you might not need that many sales to make a big difference to your bottom line, you know, depending on what your expenses are and what kind of business you've got. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's um, often people are so worried about the statistics are the sales on the day and, 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 yeah. and obviously when you're starting out, that's all you've got really to measure stuff on, but it's when you can look back over a number of years, you realize actually that's not that important. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, when, when people show up, like you said, the men just not the right time or it's just an overwhelm, but then they actually go and try it themselves and realize this stuff is really hard, whatever it is you teach yourself yeah. or whatever. And then they come back to you and say, okay, you know, you seem to know what you're talking about. I've tried, I've failed. Can you help me? And, and often they're willing to pay more then. And they'll come in at a higher level because yeah. they've experienced the pain. And now they're trying to move away from that pain and not towards the pleasure, which they were mm. you know, in, the, in, in the initial stage. So for you as a business, maybe in, in some ways it's better because they come in yeah. at a point where you can really make a big difference in their life and serve them the best. So yeah, I love it. Okay. Mm. Um, I guess you had a bunch of questions, but you've, you've answered, you've answered so much and so well. I'm just looking at the time actually. Um, I'm just going to cut this in a minute. How long have we been chatting for? I think we started at 40 and we started a bit late. Oh, we did. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I just thought, cool. I'll, I'll cut this little bit out. There you go. Um, wow. You covered so much amazing stuff. I'm just trying to think, I don't want to just repeat myself. Um, I had a bunch of questions, but I think you've just based on the secrets, but you've gone through lots of good stuff. Um, you talk about country creation, how to create a completely original business. Let's do it. Okay, so John, we've taught so much. You've given so much value so far. I mean, some of the ideas that you've you've shared with us today. I mean, absolute game changing stuff. And even for you know, I've been through some of this myself. But a half of it's a, a, an amazing reminder, and the other half is actually adding depth to stuff that I'd already tried and kind of fiddled with myself, but never really got my head around. So, um, thank you very much indeed. I think one thing we talked about before was about how do you come up with an idea? How do you create a business that's going to be profitable? And I know you've got some insights onto this and about choosing what your market's going to be and, and how that can all work. Yeah, I'm a fan of the concept of category creation. So the world is a pretty crowded place these days. And whatever market you're going to go into, you're going to find that there are other people out there and quite possibly quite a few of them. So how do you create a business that stands out? Because there is a big advantage to that. There's there's an advantage to being seen as the default choice for something, number one in your category. It's very difficult to come in as a latecomer and take over the number one slot, but you can create a new category and then you are by default number one already. So... Um, this is what's known as category creation. You think like, well, how do I come up with an entirely new kind of business? This is the concept of, of instead of adding, you know, N, instead of being N plus one in a, a category, you are the only in a category. And you might think, okay, well, I can't think of a business that's never been started before. But actually, the way you normally do that is by zooming in and by super niching, as I describe it in, uh, in the book. And um, so that means if I often use example of someone who took one of my courses and her name's Saskia Nelson, and she'd left her job and wanted to do something in photography because she'd always loved the photography. 
And she realized, though, from everything I was teaching, that she shouldn't do what most people do, which is say, hey, I'm a photographer. I'll photograph anything. <clears throat> I'll photograph you, your dog, your wedding, your business, you know, whatever it is, your product. Just please hire me. And instead of doing that, she thought, okay, well, I'll choose something that I'm particularly passionate about. And when she thought about what that could be, she thought of dating profile photos. So those photos you see on dating websites and apps. Because when she was on a dating app herself, where she met her partner, she, there were, um, she just thought everyone's photos were terrible, like unflattering selfies and badly lit and all that kind of stuff. And so what she did was set up this business, which is now called Hey Saturday, where she would take your dating profile photos in a way that were flattering, but were not airbrushed and represented your personality. So if you liked, for instance, hanging out at a coffee shop, she'd take a picture in a coffee shop. She liked, if you like hanging out a bookshop, she'd take a picture in a bookshop. And if you like being in the park, you know, you'd take the picture in the park and so on. Instead of you in an infinity curve in a studio or something, as people normally do, profile photos. So um, she did this and um, followed my rules and found her first client just by asking around that I was running a course of like a couple of hundred people on it at the time. And somebody volunteered to be her first victim and do have her photos taken for free. And then Saskia said, okay, who do you know who'd be willing to pay for their photos for like a couple of hundred quid or whatever it was then? And uh, she, this woman said, oh, my cousin needs you and sent her cousin forward. Her cousin paid Saskia. She had a first paying client in 30 days. And what happened was because she was so specific and also because she chose quite a kind of uh, titillating subject of dating profile photos, what happened was uh, all of the world's press wanted to write about it. I mean, she's been in every newspaper magazine. She was on the front page of the BBC News site profiling her business a couple of years ago. And uh, she's now got, well, last time I spoke to her, she had 15 photographers working under her around the UK and in multiple cities in the US as well. And if she had said what people, what most people do, which is say, you know, how uh, I will take a photo of anything, but what, you know, whatever you can give me, I'll take it. How much press would she have got? Basically zero. So that's the power of super niching. And particularly if you choose, uh, she did something that she super niched into an area she basically created the category of dating profile photography. And she is still, I think it's about five years later now, still number one in that space. No one's caught up with her. A few people have tried, but no one's, no one's managed to. And she has the most recognition uh, uh, amongst anywhere in the world. So um, I think that's the power of category creation. If you can zoom in and think, how can I be, how can I niche so how can I super niche within a particular category? So if you think of Saskia, you can either be a photographer, a niche would be a profile photographer or portrait photographer, and then a super niche is a dating profile photographer. And that's when it gets really interesting. Because instead of saying, oh, if you're not, you know, instead of people having to make the leap of, I heard of this person who takes nice photos of people, you should talk to Saskia. It's a lot smaller a leap for somebody to refer you if you are the dating profile person and you go, Oh yeah, your photos are not very good. Why don't you have a dating profile person? I saw in, you know, Vogue magazine last week. And uh, that's how she gets an awful lot of her work. 
And anybody can do that. Anybody can say, particularly when you're starting out, it's a really good way of getting traction. And then later on, you can always expand and, uh, and add other services, or you can just start another business if you want to, you know, and kind of systematize your first business, bring somebody else in on it and you start another one, or you expand it and you make it broader once it's got traction. Yeah. Well, it's a different way of saying the same thing, but moving to different verticals in the same space. So yeah. it could be dating apps and it could be driving licenses or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, she did. She did. Um, she did have a side business for a while on LinkedIn, doing LinkedIn profile photos with the same kind of vibe, which is which is that they're informal and modern photos and they're not stuffy, formal, you know, perfect lighting. But it, it, you look like a human in the modern age. So, um, you know, that was a way she could carry across for her. I don't know if she's still doing that or not. She's so busy with the dating stuff. Yeah, fantastic. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Can I ask you a couple of final questions, quick fire questions just to finish up, which I ask everybody, and then uh, we can call it a day. So any top browser apps or plugin browsers, browsers, browser plugins, we'll get them in any, I'll start again. What are your favorite browser plugins or apps? Um, I've got a, to have to remember this. I have a terrible memory. You mentioned one just before, actually, which you were using with your camera. Yeah, so which unfortunately just went wrong before we came on, uh, came to record this. But yeah, there's I I got a little sick of my Logitech camera and its random, you know, white balance settings, and so on. And um, I use a, an app called Camo C A M C A M O, which turns your iPhone camera into a um, webcam, an extremely high quality one, and it has been up until now very reliable. Um, but that, yeah, there's a, oh, I just, I just got a, a, a little app the other day, which I bought, I think it was on AppSumo, which is about $4. I think it's called Tech Snipper or something. And yeah. it does OCR. Do you know, do you know that? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Op- op- it's called the recognition. Oh yeah. Tech Sniper. Okay, yeah. Nice. So it, do, it does uh, optical character recognition. So if someone has got a photo of something, and it's like they're taking a photo of a quote and you go like, oh, I want to use that quote. I don't want to have to type it out. You just click on the text sniper thing in your, at the top of the screen and mark the area you want to look at. And it does an instant optical character recognition, turns it into text for the clipboard. Nice. So that's one I, I rather like, yeah. Brilliant. I've not heard of that, either of those before today. So that's uh, great, great suggestions. Okay. Who else do you think would be a great guest on this podcast? Um, Helen Pritchard, I think is good on LinkedIn. So, um, if you can get her on the show, I think she's very, she's very honest about running a business and, um, uh, has some good strategies, but, but she has kind of systematized for, but without being a systematized, but in a very human way, it's like post this every day. Don't DM people and go, hey, can we jump on a call? Because that just irritates people. And uh, you can get really good results doing that kind of stuff. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, As you may know, the title of this podcast is Systemize Your Success. What does success mean to you? Um, Well, you know, there's that nice, I think it was a Bob Dylan quote, isn't it? Success is getting up every day and doing whatever you want to do. Uh, I would, I personally, I think that's a nice idea. I also like money and 
<laughs> you know, it's it's very it's it's cool to say like you know that's more important to me than money. I actually like making quite a lot of money, so um, but I do think doing what you want to do while making uh, the money you want to make is is pretty much uh, certainly in terms of business success is is where it's happening. It doesn't surprise me with your answer after reading your book. <laughs> a very last question. Do you believe you can systemize your success? And if so, why or why not? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even if um, it doesn't necessarily mean automation, which becomes robotic, it can mean just um, we all do things that we know work. And sometimes all we need to do is reverse engineer what it is that we're doing that we're working. So we've we've learned in life how to how to make friends, how to get on with people, how to, you know, get around to tidying up when you don't want to tidy up. And you've developed a system which has worked. And sometimes we just ignore our own systems that work. Um, and if we can just remember the bits of work and keep doing them, our lives will probably be an awful lot better. Good answer. I like it. John, I could chat to you for hours. I think we'd have a lot to keep on talking about, but I think we should probably draw it to a close. So thank you very much indeed for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. I've learned lots of gems, which I'm going to take away and implement, and I'm sure anyone listening to this will do too. So thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Your Success.